Welcome to Winning Slowly, taking the long view on technology, religion, ethics, and art. I'm Chris Kreitcho. And I'm Stephen Garadini. And today we're going to be talking about YouTube versus Zoe Keating. It's not a legal case, but it sounds like it should be, and if it goes on much longer, it might actually turn up to be one. So, Zoe Keating is an experimental classical cellist. She's an independent artist, and she, which means that she doesn't have a record label. She doesn't have the big apparatus of music promotion around her. Until recently, she didn't even have a booking agent. So she does everything on her own. She gets paid through iTunes, Bandcamp, Amazon, and streaming services. And the reason I know this is because she famously posts budgets, or not budgets, but receipts of all of her annual uh, earnings from streaming and uh, downloaded music. You can find those. We'll link those in the show notes. They're great. The information is great. But her music is also great. I listen to it a lot. So she's a great artist, and she's a really savvy business person, uh, and she has become a central figure in several uh, debates, problems, issues surrounding the role of the independent artist in their relationship to technology. And this is exactly what has happened this time. YouTube is launching this thing called Music Key, which is essentially a paid version of YouTube that doesn't have ads, uh, which sounds great in theory. Um, But the way that they go about it is by asking independent artists to sign new contracts of use with YouTube. And that's about all the hard details we have because then things get fuzzy. So what Zoe Keating is suggesting is that YouTube is trying to strong arm her with a list of demands that include like exclusives or lack of exclusives. You can't have music anywhere but YouTube um, or you can't Rather, you can't release an iTunes exclusive, for example. If it's on the internet anywhere, if it's available for sale anywhere, you have to have it on YouTube as well. Now, YouTube says that's not true, but Zoe Keating says it's true, and the contracts are, uh, you know, not available for public consumption, so we really don't know who's... And then there's multiple versions of contracts, (laughs) and then there's, there's... games going on in the media of who's talking to who about what and what facts. So we have ourselves a good old 21st century debacle going on here <laughs> with with uh, not exactly Aaron Brockovich, but something close here with one person saying, I'm going to take on this giant corporation that doesn't expect me. And the corporation saying, no, you can't. Oh, you took notes. Oh, whoops, that's not good. So that's the situation as it stands. Zoe Keating says that she's getting strong-armed. YouTube says that they're just trying to enact a new business model that in the end will be good for Zoe Keating. And then there are subplots in this that have to do with content ID that gets super nerdy. Like, <laughs> it's... It's just getting really weird up in here. And so we wanted to talk about this naturally because there are a half dozen things we could talk about it. And so we just thought we would set it on it and uh, approach it from a winning slowly angle. We should probably start out by saying that while both of our sympathies lie much more with Zoe Keating than with Google in this one, Keating herself summed up the situation here in what we both agree is pretty much the best summary. A lot of people in the, this is a, this is a quote, 
A lot of people in the music industry talk about Google as evil. I don't think they are evil. I think they, like other tech companies, are just idealistic in a way that works best for them. I think this because I used to be one of them. She worked in a tech startup previous part of her life. Uh, eliding a little bit. If it's not awesome for you, it's because you just don't understand it yet and you'll come around. They can't imagine scenarios outside their reality, and that is how they inadvertently unleash things like the algorithmic cruelty of Facebook's yearly review, which showed lots of people cruel pictures last year. There was a lot about that. Um, she basically argues, look, they're not trying to be jerks. They're just looking at things only one way. And as Ben Thompson argued in an article following up on this, we'll include the link in the show notes for that as well, they're looking at things in the sense of we want scale. We want to be able to get as broad a reach as possible. Maybe that's interesting to a lot of people, but it's not the only way to approach this. And one of the responsibilities we think that corporations have is to take a step back and ask if the way they're doing things is good for just them or whether it's more broadly good. And in this case, what it looks like fundamentally is simply that the things that are good for YouTube are not necessarily the things that are good for Zoe Keating, and they may or may not be the things that are best for the general consumer, but also importantly, they may not be the things that are best for specific consumers. If you are a Zoe Keating or other independent artists, it's likely that your relationship with your consumers looks very different than if you're a Beyonce. And right. that's not to say that one of these is better or worse, but when you have millions upon millions of dedicated fans who will buy everything you sell, if you're a Taylor Swift who every single single she released for her latest album was an instant gazillion sale release, that's going to look very different. Which that wasn't on Spotify either. She yanked yeah. all the stuff off of Spotify. So And Beyonce dropped a whole album without giving any notice to anyone. So yeah. even within this kind of situation where there's there's a established standard way of uh -huh. doing things there's people don't do things yeah people don't do things the standard established way all the time right and so youtube is trying to lock people in right regardless of whatever terms they actually end up with the nature of what they're trying to do here is they're trying to lock in a set of content that they can reliably mm -hmm. deliver to their consumers and they're basically uh, looking understandably from their point of view for a one-size-fits-all but the thing is, yeah. one size doesn't necessarily fit all. The thing I was just going to highlight is that Zoe Keating's relationship with her fans and the number of her fans and the kinds of fans she has are not the same. Not any of those are the same as they are for a, a Justin Bieber. You know, they're, right. they're just coming at that relationship in a different way. Yeah, and it's it's important to note here that saying corporations should take all of their consumers into account when they're making new products doesn't sound like it's radical, but from the inside of a corporation, <laughs> that's pretty radical, particularly when YouTube views musicians more as content creators than actual people, which is, <laughs> which is clear from this exchange mm -hmm. in that there, there was a point that Zoe points out on her uh, transcript that she said, wow, that sounds kind of harsh. And their response is yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, that's, that's 
potentially a technically true response, but that that doesn't take into account like being a human being. Right. And again, that's nothing against that particular person. There's a legal framework that this person Mm -hmm. is holding in their hand called a contract that they're trying to administer to a particular agent of the company. You know, this is a legal proceeding. And so there will people who there are people who would say very rightly that, look, these are legal proceedings that are dealt with in a legal sort of fashion. Well, yeah, but we at Winning Slowly would like your legal proceedings to be a little bit kinder and more considerate (laughs) of how like the world outside of yourself actually works. And that's radical, too. Let me tell you. Yeah, one of the things that I see a lot both in this debate and others is sort of the bottom line as final determiner. Well, well, you're going to make more money this way, Zoe. Well, maybe that's true, but maybe it's not going to be in a way that she likes. Or maybe it'll be at the expense of other ways of making money, which is one of her concerns and frankly one of my concerns as an outside observer to this particular situation. The basic approach that Google is taking here makes sense in terms of trying to maximize YouTube's bottom line. And for artists who are okay with these terms, it's probably fine. There are probably plenty of artists who are happy with these terms, who don't see them as an issue, at least at present. But for someone like Zoe Keating, who's established herself as something of an outsider who is trying to do things a different way their unwillingness to budge or flex. I mean, it makes sense from the corporation's point of view. It's incredibly painful to have a different contract with everybody. It's really unmanageable if you're operating at the scale and scope that YouTube does. So we get that. But maybe that should suggest when you run into a Zoe Keating and you're a Google-sized corporation that you should step back and evaluate the ethical implications, not merely the financial and remunerative implications of your contract and the approach you're trying to take. If your approach inhibits artists and says, uh, if you're not just willing to gun for the bottom line and particularly in line with our bottom line, screw you. Yeah. Maybe you should take a step back and re- and by maybe we mean you should. You should definitely do that. And there's another thing that that goes along with all of this is that Google vis-a-vis YouTube is looking directly at the bottom line. They're looking at the mass amount of things that they're trying to handle. I mean, effectively, this is all data to them that they're trying to monetize, which is significantly different than how people like Zoe Keating or even smaller artists handle their businesses. You know, a lot of artists don't do the whole mass thing that's not the way they roll they have more of a relationship with their audience they have more direct interaction with them they don't see them as just a means to an end i'm thinking of people like amanda palmer who have gigantic followings that all have a more i wouldn't i I said direct earlier i don't think direct is the right word but it's a more intimate sort of relationship with them there's more of a give and take back and forth kind of a camaraderie and that just doesn't go with the sort of like mass amount of data monetization that youtube is really wanting to put out which is you know that's youtube's prerogative they can do what they want but it's it's the difficulty between these two Outside of the whole strong-arming lack of control bit, which is, you know, it, I mean, <laughs> if, we, if, we put, if we put a different context there, that would be a straight human ethics violation. But um, 
outside of the strong arming lack of control bit, um, there's there's a difficulty here of saying I have this goal that isn't mass data monetization, and you have a goal that is mass data monetization, and there's there's a middle ground in the middle here that we need to talk about. What is ultimately problematic there is not that Google wants to treat this as large data, nor that Zoe Keating wants to do it individually. What is problematic is that they can't find a middle ground. And to, to some extent, like I said, we understand why they can't, but you know, it puts the small artist in a very difficult and awkward position when they can't literally just cannot use one of the primary go-to means of music distribution out there yeah youtube is a primary means of music discovery and music access more even than things like spotify and so on so when you say sorry zoe keating if you don't like from an ethical or artistic standpoint our terms you can't even use this that's a pretty significant burden on the artist and it it becomes potentially more problematic when you realize that functionally there's no competition. There's nowhere else that's going to function like YouTube. YouTube is a functional monopoly. And that's what David Lowry is concerned about, who writes over at the Tricordist that this is basically an FTC problem. This is Google using its monopolistic standpoint on this particular area to coerce you know, non-competitive practices. And I think there's, on some level, it's true that YouTube doesn't have anybody the size or scope of YouTube, but there are smaller competitors that still exist, like Vimeo. Mm -hmm. So I'm not convinced that they would be able to get away with full monopoly sort of judgment against them, even if they could convince the FTC to look at it, <laughs> which they probably couldn't because Google. Right. Um, but at least there are some practices that they would have to admit are being only sustained by the fact that there's a functional monopoly. Right. Or And I, I think, to be fair, the term is more monopsony in this case, in that it's a single market. I was about to say that, yeah. Well, it's kind of like the situation for Amazon, where, yes, there are other ebook sellers, but at the end of the day, if you're not selling through Amazon, you're not going to get a lot of ebook sales because it has yeah. a functional monopsony there. And this is a problem with a number of situations. It's very easy in the tech world for the thing that is best to explode and drown out all the others even if the original producers of that product are not trying to behave in unethical ways and they're not trying to squash competition i mean i don't see google doing things that are trying to hurt vimeo i yeah and you could make arguments one way or another about amazon and their ebook market but on the whole they're not taking active steps to kill the Nook market. They're just the best, most functional market out there, likewise with YouTube. What's what's weird is that by implementing Music Key, they're attempting to compete with Spotify right. in some in some weird way, which means that by becoming a monopsony monopoly, whatever you want to call it, in one place, they're trying to break a pseudo monopoly mm -hmm. in another place even though that pseudo monopoly doesn't make any money which <laughs> it's kind of a which weird is move. like it's the weird state of tech in the 21st centuries i just i just don't know what to do anymore yeah money doesn't exist everything is fake <laughs> nothing is real 
Uh, yeah, and the the broader ethical concern there for companies, and if you're running a large company, is, okay, you weren't trying to end up in a monopsony, and at the end of the day, it's not really your job to make sure your competition succeeds, but what do you do? Or is it? Or is it? Uh, Tesla might suggest that it that's exactly what the best thing to do as a business is, but that's another yeah. podcast. Woohoo! We will be talking about Elon Musk and all his craziness in the future, Lord willing. Tony um, Stark. <laughs> the real world Tony Stark. I wonder if he really flies around as Iron Man. But we'll get to I that. I hope so. We'll get to that. But but if you're Google and you have YouTube and you have a functional monopsony, you have an ethical obligation to go above and beyond and to do things that in the context of a non-monopsonistic situation you would not be obliged to do we talked about this last season with regard to facebook you have ethical obligations when you are the dominant actor in a space that you may not have when you're not the dominant actor in the space when you're the young upstart in the space or when there's simply healthy competition and we would actually say the same thing applies though they're far far worse about it than google or amazon could ever hope to be in their worst most maniacal dastardly dreams the same thing is true of all the telecoms that have functional monopolies in their environments okay you're in that position you know how whoa 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 <laughs> whoa 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 telecoms and ethics i know right whoa 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 i i i think we're gonna break the internet if we talk about that <laughs> like like not break the internet in a social way but i think somebody will like shut, shut down, down our, internet. our internet connections it's probable <laughs> Oh gosh. Anyway, but what you were saying is that they have a ethical responsibility to do the right thing in a f- area where there's no other choices. Right. So if you only have one, or if you're lucky, two choices for internet, and neither of them are appreciably different, which is often the case, <laughs> you you have a moral responsibility that until recently was going totally awry until the government stepped in and said here have some morals we're forcing you to have morals that's that's a difficult situation you know you need to have an ethical stance but you also want to make money right because again chris and i are not anti-business or anti-making money we're just pro businesses doing business well and making money in a way that respects the human dignity of their customers and in the case of something like Spotify or YouTube or any of these that respects the human dignity of the people producing the content off of which they are making their money and let's be honest and and the dignity of people who were purchasing this product yeah yeah and so if you're a business that says well profit's the bottom of line we don't like you because profit is great, but profit is not in and of itself sufficient justification for doing things. The fever dream of capitalists that pure unregulated greed would make the world a better place is crazy. It's not true. That's not to say that we dislike capitalism. We like capitalism. We like free markets. We, we like things that do those things well. But the best way to do that is not by having unfettered greed as your driver. It is by recognizing that profit is a genuine good. Increasing the goods in the world is a genuine good. But that ultimately human well-being is what we're after. We're not right. We're not after these 
when we let profits and even production of material goods or digital goods or whatever kind of goods be our final driver rather than human well-being and human flourishing we've missed the boat yeah and that's where a lot of the problems come in is that you know youtube's just going to argue this is the best thing for this product that we're making we don't want music that's available on free youtube to not be available on music key which is a real legitimate concern if there was something available on free youtube that wasn't available on expensive youtube i don't know if i would want expensive youtube you know <laughs> right that's that's a logical problem that youtube has to solve however this approach of giant hammer in small nails is not necessarily <laughs> the approach that a makes people want to buy music key because right. i'm sure not going to buy music key now i was actually in line to do it because i use youtube all the time as part of my independent music reviewing and i hate the ads and i'm super down with not having a youtube with ads but now i'm not going to do it because this is ridiculous <laughs> and so yeah. that's that's should be a warning to them that they've lost at least one customer and potentially more because they couldn't just do the right thing. And that goes to a theme we've talked about a lot from the very beginning, which is that in the short term, doing the most remunerative thing can seem like a good idea, making the most money right now. Ensuring the best product now. Yeah, but in the long term, treating your customers and in the case of something like youtube your producers well is essential to the long-term viability of your product if spotify or rdo or youtube or any of these companies anger enough of their producers their content producers they're hosed because everybody will just say no you're an awful evil company that treats me terribly why would i even if it's potentially costly to me in some business ways i don't want anything to do with you because you're after your own financial own financial gain at my cost nope i'm out of here right. goodbye in right. the long term and you can't win by well unfortunately sometimes you can but ultimately we in the longest term you're not going to win yeah you're not and that's the problem that a lot of these companies are going to come up against is they say yes we have impervious scale which you know, it may seem that way, but we know that things like MySpace had impervious scale <laughs> at one point. This is a real argument that they just, there's companies that think they are invincible due to their scale. And we know from history that nothing can be prevented. Scale does not prevent downfalls. Right. You it can doesn't. be the largest auto manufacturer in the United States and the world. And well, if you fail to treat your customers well and provide good customer service and provide a good and reliable product, all of a sudden you need the government to bail you out from bankruptcy multiple times. Right. It's there's nothing that you can do scale wise that will stop you from problems that are born out of the way you deal with the people who got you to scale. And that's the reality of the situation. Now, can you get to scale by treating people badly? You sure can. Hey, Uber. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can do that, but you won't be able to stay at scale. No. Either regulations will come in, people will leave you, or any number of other problems will befall you. Um, you know, I don't think the Visigoths are going to come in and destroy, <laughs> but that was the problem this one time for that unscalably large... <laughs> organization 
known as the Roman Empire. Hey, Roman Empire. <laughs> what up? It's yeah. been a while. Haven't seen you. It's, it's been a while. So that ridiculous aside or example aside, that's that's what we're getting at with this is that YouTube is not doing something evil. They're doing something short-sighted and they're they're not doing it what we believe is the right way, which is taking a long view on things and saying, okay, we're going to lose some some credibility on this this music key thing if we don't have the expensive and the free YouTube being exactly the same. But if we get, you know, good press from dealing well with people, from giving people a good experience, from giving people producers the ability to choose and the ability to continue on with what they were already doing, then good press is worth just as much as having all of the content mm -hmm. there. And I really believe that, mm -hmm. and they may not, but well, I think that's really true. It'll also lead to much better long-term relationship with artists because the reality of this is Zoe Keating's just going to pull her music from YouTube. It's gone. They're they're going to be losing a relationship with an artist, and I'm sure she's not the only one. And so, in the well, long term, I don't know if I don't know if she's actually going to pull her music or what the end what terms the end of the contract are. Yeah, that's true. But but it seems likely that that could happen. Right. And if you do that enough times, all of a sudden nobody wants to use your product as a way of delivering content anymore. And right then you turn into one of those little corners of the internet that everybody looks at back at and thinks, huh, Friendster. Yeah, that was a thing. <laughs> oh, man, the Roman Empire and Friendster in one, <laughs> in one episode. one episode, yep. Wow. So that's really what we're saying here is that Google, probably not evil in this case in the, in the way that they think about things, but they're not thinking about things in the ways that work for other people producers in particular this time mm -hmm. although as we just noted in the long run it won't work for consumers either and artists need to be careful with who they uh, deal with how they deal with them and you know sometimes just have to suck it up and say this is a abusive situation and so I'm going to take a little financial hit here to make a statement and perhaps go somewhere else where I will make more money. And YouTube doesn't even make that much money for people, <laughs> which is the most bizarre thing about all of this, is that in the pantheon of money that Zoe Keating makes, it's not huge. Right. In the pantheon of money that anybody makes, it's not huge. But it is, as we noted earlier, an exposure outlet. Mm -hmm. So, And then there's scale, and then we start looping again. So, you know, there's there there are valid and viable points on both sides, but... You know, you've got to you've got to take a stance somewhere. Right. Wherever that stance ends up being as an artist, have the integrity to stick with it too, and have the integrity to do what Keating has done and be open, be honest about the choices you have to make because that's extremely helpful to other people coming up in your chosen yep. field of work, and yep. it's extremely helpful in helping other people think through the potential both financial and ethical trade offs that you have to make, and you do have to make them, and there aren't hard lines here. But you do have to make the trade-offs, and you have to yep. be sensible about where you do it, and you have to determine where as an artist you're willing to draw that line. And that's tough. I mean, as a person who is a practicing artist, although not trying to monetize in the same way that Zoe Keating is, uh, that's 
a tough thing to do is to make decisions about where's my music going to be, where's my, you know, efforts going to be put, what am I going to say is okay, what am I going to say is not okay, what are my goals with this? Those are tough things, and we're not minimizing those at all. So, yeah. With that, we hope you think harder about the services you use and the services you're willing to use if you're a, quote, content producer, unquote, whether you're a writer or a musician or a painter or whatever else that looks like. This week's opening track was Let It Burn by Magic Giant. Please don't use their music without their permission. Uh, You can download it at the link we have supplied in the show notes. Before you go, a couple other interesting things for you. One, the FCC has announced its plan to regulate telecom companies under Title II. What this basically means is, yay! They still have to vote, and there's still the contracts and the legalese to all be hammered out. So I'm sure we'll have a Winning Slowly episode about it <laughs> once all of that goes down. But just that they proposed Title II it's a big is win. amazing. It's a big, it's a big, big win. Big win. Yep. Secondly, Lego announced that they're going to make a Doctor Who set, and that's just fantastic. I'm, I'm totally going to get it. Alonzi. Alonzi. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, Thanks so much for listening. Yeah. We hope you have a great week.